Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Esper Studios Presents Stories. On this very special episode of Stories, I am talking with two friends who are also my colleagues, who are the co-founders of ID8.org. We're going to learn more about ID8, and we're going to learn more about them. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios Presents Stories. Today I'm joined with Jeff Howard and Andy Mullins, the co-creators of ID8. Welcome to the show, you two. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having us, Reed. Excited Thanks, to be here. Uh, let's start off with a very easy question. So tell me about yourselves. Andy, do you <laughs> want to start? Sure. Uh, man, where, where to begin? Well, I, I live in Colorado. I've been here about 10 years. Um, we'll probably talk about this at some point, but uh, I've been working in the, the kind of IDD space for a while. I have a sister who's autistic. Um, and, and my background really is in marketing and communications uh, and, and all things in that realm. Um, but yeah, love living in Colorado. Jeff and I are, are pretty close to each other and uh, really excited to be on the show today. Jeff, I'll come to you. Thanks. Yeah, I have a similar story. I've been in Colorado for 10 years. Um, I now live out in near Salida, Colorado, um, and uh, yeah, very similar to Andy, uh, worked in um, autism services and autism care for a number of years, worked in the nonprofit space, um, and then also spent three years in New York City at Donors Choose, um, which is the model that ID8 is um, built off of, which we can talk more about, and I know we will. Um, and so, um, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that work um, in figuring out and thinking through how do we better serve this community um, really grew out of those experiences. So, how did ID8 come come about? Yeah, I'll jump in first. And and so Jeff and I have known each other for um, a few years now. We were working in separate organizations, but we we became kind of professional colleagues and then friends. And uh, we sat we sat down one night over dinner and we were talking about our careers and some things that had happened in the industry and changes in our lives. And we said, man, what's something we could do that would really help adults? Because we've seen uh, and continue to see every day that, you know, adults transitioning out of high school fall off the services book. There's not enough funding and resources available for them. And so uh, our kind of acute observation of that combined with Jeff's experience working for a nonprofit, I'll let him talk about, led us to building ID8 and the, the model that you see today. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, Andy and I were acutely aware of all of the resources and the funding going into serving kiddos um, mm -hmm. and, and not having parity um, for those um, the rest of their lives, right? Um, and, and in many ways, it's doing a disservice. Um, after working in, in the autism care space and thinking about, um, in addition to those acute needs, which are diverse, um, you know, thinking about what would be a scalable model that could drive high quality um, resources um, through funding, through a crowdfunding model, um, and very similar to Donors Choose, which is the education crowdfunding platform that's been around for, for 22 plus years that um, has helped um, about... I don't, I don't know the exact number of teachers, but they're in about nine out of 10 um, school districts at this point. 
Um, after working there, and in, in Andy and I kind of figuring out what could we do to move the needle to really help this population um, succeed and reach their, their dreams and their goals, um, we asked the simple question that uh, we asked at Donors Choose way back in the day, which was, if there was an easy way for people to see exactly how their dollars were being used, um, wouldn't they want to give to an adult with IDD who is in need? Um, and that's really how ID8 was born, was building the platform to enable that. And currently right now on the site, we have live requests. People can give as little as $5 to those requests that are live. Um, and then hear back in a vivid way from the individual that they helped. All right. Where do you see ID8 in five years from now? Oh, man. Jeff, I'll let you take that one first. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we are um, we have an aggressive uh, growth plan. Uh, and, and part of that is that we recognize that the need is massive. Uh, and so being a national organization um, is going to have a much more powerful effect uh, as far as reach um, mm -hmm. and scale. Uh, so we have in our uh, business plan uh, a, a, a growth strategy to grow to being a national organization um, and be open to every single county um, in the country um, by year five. And we think we can do it. Um, so it's going to take a lot of help and partnerships um, for us to get there. Uh, but I think that the the faster that we can have impact um, across the country, especially recognizing that um, a lot of states are more under-resourced than others. Um, so that's that's part of the urgency around this is making sure that there is equity um, for, for folks across the board. Yep. Yeah, the only thing I'll add to that is I think, you know, our goal is also by year five, to have a 90 plus percent success rate with our funding. And so we want to make sure that as many people as possible are getting the resources that they need and that they've requested through the site. Have you seen any success so far with the launch of the site? Yeah, absolutely. We turned everything on and, and kind of did our, our soft launch, if you will. Um, we initially just posted three requests. We had many more uh, in the hopper, but we said, let's just take a small batch, let's run them. Uh, we promoted it out to the, the kind of donor community that we've been building. And we funded all three of those in less than 72 hours, which was really cool. They were all uh, about 500 bucks. And so we were able to like very quickly have a positive impact for those three individuals and the resources they needed. Um, and we're continuing to see that, um, you know, with, with more live requests on the site now. People are going on, they're giving, um, they're also contributing an additional 15% at checkout, most of them, uh, to support our work as a nonprofit, which is really cool. I'll share one other quick anecdote to add to that. Um, you know, one of our fully funded requests was for um, a more senior lady uh, in Aurora, Colorado, um, uh, Ms. Klein, who needed some support in getting transportation access to her three jobs. Um, one of which is working at the Rocky Stadium um, and some dress clothes as well. Um, and so our requests on Ideate are capped at $500. And it, that may not sound like a lot to folks, um, but in reality, it's, uh, it's a huge um, differential in that person's mm -hmm. life. And so we were working with um, a, a partner organization um, who um, knows of Ms. Klein, and, and um, she's been working in some of their programs. And I talked to her the other day, letting her know, calling her up and letting her know that Ms. Klein got funded. She was one of those requests that got funded you know, within the first um, couple of days. And Ms. Klein came into the center 
found out the news and she just started having tears come down her face saying, please tell them that they have no idea how much this means to me. Um, and so every donation on our site, we consider a vote um, for that individual and for their hopes and dreams um, and, and them being able to realize independence, um, personal development and job attainment, which is our mission. So um, that's just a brief glimmer of the sort of um, uh, life-changing work that we wanna bring uh, to a national market. Mm -hmm. All right, before we go on to learn about you guys individually, can you tell my listeners what exactly is IDD? What does it stand for and mm -hmm. how does it tie into the whole community? Yeah, well, IDD is Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. Um, that's what the acronym stands for. And so, um, I, I mean, it's it's a huge community, right? It's there mm -hmm. over 7 million adults and just in the United States um, that that are known um, to have an IDD. So it's, it's a huge population of people. It's a huge community that, uh, again, quite frankly, the result of ID8, uh, or ID8 being the result of this challenge is that there's there's just not enough resources and funding to support them. You know, just to, to tag on to that, um, and I'm really glad you asked this question, Reed, because um, one of the reasons why we focused on IDD as a broader community is there's about 7.4 million adults um, with IDD in the U.S., and that's an estimate. Um, there's some that are misdiagnosed who are undiagnosed, mm -hmm. um, but the majority of that population um, is autistic. Um, however, there are a lot of other types of intellectual and developmental disabilities, including cerebral palsy, ADHD, um, other developmental delays, learning disorders, vision impairment, Down syndrome. There are a host of other um, disabilities that fit into that universe. Um, and, and one of the things that was really important to us is helping make sure that we're supporting a path to those individuals being able to join the workforce um, and really find um, something for them that is fulfilling and gives them a sense of dignity. Um, and so while there are a lot of resources specifically geared towards autism, we wanted to broaden that universe um, and, and help a, a broader array of um, individuals at the same time connecting them with donors who can um, help learn about their story and, and better understand um, what they're hoping to do. All right. So now let's move in and learn a little bit more about you guys. I'll start with you, Jeff. What motivates you, inspires you, and drives you? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, it is having an impact. Uh, and this sounds cheesy, but a lot of the, the jobs that I've done in the past, um, you know, they don't pay terribly well um, in some of the sectors where, where I've worked, healthcare, education, um, politics, community organizing. Um, and for me, that doesn't matter. Um, in the end, it's about um, you know, really making the world the place that I want to live in, mm -hmm. um, especially these days. And so for me, that's something that um, gets me up every day um, and, ex and makes me excited about the, the work that we're doing at ID8 um, is that we're, we're on that path. Andy? Yeah, it's kind of the same. Um, I, I think what, what has always motivated me across my career and, and into ID8 today is like building community and, and bridging gaps and, and creating relationships. Um, and that's something I'm, I am proud of just personally, right? I, I've worked really hard to build a, a really big network of people that I that I work with and lean on for, for advice and support and all these different things. And so 
Um, you know, I've been able to take all those relationships I built over my career over the last 12 years and really bring those to bear with ID8 in, in helping us um, support, you know, again, this, this community of adults living with IDD. All right. Um, I'll let you guys choose which one of you will answer this next question. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten? I'll take this one. Um, so one of the things that we fund at ID8 is coaching. So life coaching, executive functioning, social skills, a whole host of different coaching needs. Um, and I'm a firm believer that um, coaching is for everybody, right? It's not mm -hmm. for professional athletes or just, you know, Fortune 500 executives. Um, coaching is, and at least all the roles that I've been in, um, coaches have been my best bosses. Um, they've been my mentors and they've helped me really grow and, and learn. And I had a direct report in, in a previous role um, say that I was the best boss he'd ever had um, his entire career. Um, and to me, that meant a ton because it meant that I was doing my job of, of mentorship and coaching and leading. Um, and that really left a lasting impression for me. Yeah, I, um, I actually got the compliment. You've, less, you've left a lasting impression on everyone at this organization. In a, a few roles back, I, I was at a healthcare company, a startup for a number of years and worked my way up from kind of a specialist beginning at the ground floor all the way up to being you know, a senior manager and having a handful of direct reports and just carrying a lot of responsibility. And so um, to have gotten that from somebody above me on my way out was uh, was really awesome. All right. What's your biggest failure and what did you learn from that experience? Andy, you want to go first? Yeah. So I think professionally, I've, I've worn a lot of hats. I've done a lot of different things. And I'm really happy where I've landed because obviously all of that experience has brought me to building ID8 with Jeff. Um, which is, we're just super excited about the work we're doing and the impact we're positioned to have. So I'm happy with where I've come out, but I, I, I don't know that I'd call it a failure, but I really wish that I had maybe been a little more intentional um, in my younger years in kind of finding and leaning into, um, you know, my skill set and, and really picking a clear path forward. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just a learning lesson. That's something that I, you know, I hope to impart on younger people uh, and my family and friends um, where I can. Yeah, I just, um, I think for, for me, I don't really look at failure the same way I think some some folks do just from the, the roles that I've had working in the startup space, um, you know, working with small businesses, right? Most small businesses that are not successful. Um, and, and for me, you know, failure is part of the journey, right? And it's really about finding your path um, and so as you find those, those dead ends, you know, it reminds me of, you know, the trite saying, my mom was always saying, you know, one door closes and another one opens. And I think that really is true. Um, and, and I've, I've definitely learned that there are multiple paths to success. Um, and that, that failure is one of those steps. All right. Tell me about three influential people in your life and how they impacted you. Sure. Um, my family. So my mom, my dad, my sister. Um, they have very much informed my worldview and my values. Um, and I would say they are, they are the three most influential people in my life. All right. Yeah. So I, uh, mine are a little more career oriented. Of course, I'm really close with, with family and all of that. I, I would say my grandpa Bud was one of them. He, um, you know, kind of grew up poor, came out of world war two and, and went on to build a, a really successful business and be a really impactful leader in the local community. And, was just someone that was really well liked and well respected and well spoken. 
Um, so he was definitely one growing up. But the other two I would reference are actually um, women leaders that I've worked for. One is her name's Barb Green. She manages, she did at the time, she was the president of a large hospital system. It was the first place I worked. It's just awesome getting to work with somebody who was really supportive and kind of a visionary. And the second is a woman named Sharon Vessels, who was a mentor of mine, a coach, if you will, professionally for um, about a year uh, and just had a really big impact on kind of widening my aperture of, um, of who I could become as a professional. All right. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? I happen to know that Andy and I have the same answer for this one. So I'll, I'll take this one. Um, so I'm a snowboarder, Andy's a skier. Um, we both love, you know, hiking and camping, but really anything with exercise and getting out into um, mm -hmm. nature um, really, uh, I think renews both of us in a, in a big way. Absolutely. All right. Finish this sentence. I'm at my best when? When I am well rested and well fed. <laughs> <laughs> that is mine. Absolutely. Uh, mine is I'm at my best when I'm in the zone, um, which is not usually the mornings. Um, it's, you know, my, my kind of most focused and, and creative flow state. All right. If you guys can turn back time and talk to your 18 year old selves and tell them about where you are now in life, what would you tell them? Yeah, mine would be, um, there, there's a saying that I hear a lot in the startup community and it's fail fast, fail forward, right? Like learn, learn as quickly as you can and apply that learning to, to every decision you're making and everything you're doing. Um, so I think that would be mine um, is fail fast, fail forward and should have learned to do that sooner. I think that's right. Uh, I would, mine probably is to start networking earlier, aggressively networking and building deep relationships um, with people. And it's one thing that I didn't really start doing successfully until the last like five or six years. Okay. And it's made a huge difference. Um, the other thing I would just say is as part of that, and that's also for some networking can be this, um, but it's leaning into discomfort. Um, and, and making that uh, safer. All right. If you both could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Uh, it'd be uh, free marketing for ID8. Shameless <laughs> 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 plug, I-D-D-E-A-T-E, uh, -E -E, ID8.org. Um, please check out some of our live requests. All right. What do you think the world will look like in five years from now? Yeah. yeah. That's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll go first. You know, I, I think it's a um, an increasingly crazy world that we live in. Uh, you know, even with you know all the conversations about AI and some of the other technologies coming online, in my mind, I think that the world mostly will look like it does today. Um, I do think that we're going to make some advances in inclusion um, and, and the neurodiversity movement, but I think generally overall. Um, things are not going to be as wild as maybe everyone's talking about right now, five years from now. Yeah, I sure hope not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm eager to see what, you know, what the political environment looks like, what the financial environment looks like. Um, but my hope is really that as we kind of continue to come out of COVID and, and get back into in-person uh, events and everything else, that we just treat each other really kindly. I think the last couple of years have been rough with, a political environment, uh, and also just COVID. And so um, that's what I hope it looks like. All right. 
what was your favorite subject in school? Mine was art. I, mine was English and I uh, went on to be a communications major in college. So that poured it over very well, but yeah, English. All right. Are you, when I'm talking to you guys, are you introverted or extroverted? What do you, what's your guess, Reed? I'm thinking Jeff is a very much an, an extrovert. He seems a type who enjoys being in parties and amongst people and just having a good time. The same with you, Andy. I mean, for those of you who don't know, I met Andy and his beautiful wife, and he is very much an outgoing person and such a great <laughs> person in general. Well, thanks, Reed. Yeah, the, um, you, you know, I think um, in some ways we we both are are extroverts. Um, I would say I, I have a little bit more of a, an introverted extrovert um, kind of presentation, and that's from yes, I like to go to parties and networking events, but I get tremendously drained um, from that. Where I think Andy, it really renews him. Um, and that's why the one one of the things that I love about having him as a partner in this work is he's a master relationship builder, an amazing networker, um, but is really, really comfortable um, on stage, presenting, talking to press. Um, that's something that that's really in his wheelhouse um, that uh, isn't maybe not as strong for me. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's accurate. Yeah, I, I generally, right, every now and again, I, I need some time to myself, but generally I, I really get fired up about being around people and it, it makes me feel good. Okay. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be and why? I go first. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm really focused on the work right in front of us. And that is when, when we look um, back in time, uh, 23 plus years ago, um, maybe not quite that long. Um, you know, everything changed um, in the autism care space specifically, um, because we altered the funding landscape. Um, there was a state senator in Indiana who advanced a bill that required a mandate. Um, and eventually, it took too long, but eventually that mandate um, was shared across uh, most of the country. And it started with changing the funding um, dynamic. And so as we look to the future and we look at um, what's ahead, for adults with IDD or those who are graduating out of ABA or other autism care services or, or those more broadly in the IDD community who are looking to figure out how to best support transitioning. Um, you know, it's really about changing that funding landscape for adults with IDD. And I think it's incredibly important work and, and I'm really proud, um, I'm proud about it. Same. Yeah, that's that's where what I'd want to be remembered for, right? Is is the work we're doing and addressing what is really a critical and widespread need. Um, and I think we're in in a great place to do it. All right. So why don't you tell me about a little bit about where you are now in life? Hmm. Yeah, I would say um, we are in the. Uh, sometimes romantic, often not so, space of being a founder. Um, and uh, the founder of either a for-profit or non-profit um, is, is challenging. It requires a tremendous amount of focus um, and, and determination um, and resilience. And at the same time, I've never had a job uh, that's been more of a calling and that's been more of a joy. Um, and so right now, I've, I've never been more kind of profes professionally fulfilled 
but also personally as well. I, I moved to the mountains and got out of the Denver corridor. Um, and I'm, you know, I've got amazing hiking and mountain biking, you know, 30 seconds away from me. Um, so I'm in a really happy place in life. Um, and, uh, I'm working really hard with Andy to, um, to help scale this thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Boy, I don't know how to answer this one, Reed. I, I mean, I, I'm excited about the work we're doing. Feel really fulfilled on that front. Jeff makes like, I think the greatest point, which is like, it takes a lot of resilience. It has been really hard. It's been just a lot of work and pushing rocks uphill over the last year. But now that we're live and we're seeing that, uh, we're seeing these these communities come together, right? In this three-sided marketplace, um, it's really fulfilling. And so, yeah, I'm excited about that. I obviously read what missed you, but was just back in Indiana for a month. So mm -hmm. I'm also at a place in life where I'm trying to reinvigorate relationships with family and spend more time with, with parents who are a long way away and things like that. So um, I don't know. It's good. I, I'm happy, man. All right. Now we get into the questions that everyone wants to hear. Jeff, <laughs> what is your favorite word? This makes me so happy, Reed. Um I watched I watched inside the actor studio growing up and it I was always like I'm never going to be an actor who's interviewed with these questions um, <laughs> but maybe someday there will be someone who asks me these questions in some other format so um, I'm super pumped to answer these um, my favorite word is yes getting to yes Andy it's yeah, a really good one uh, I think mine is happy no right. like the word happy brings joy okay. what is your least favorite word the inverse is true. Uh, no. Mine would be slightly different, but it's fail. Um, right. I don't think there's any context in which the word fail is really a good thing and try to avoid it. All right. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, and emotionally? Yeah, my, I, I talked a little bit about relationship building, but um, I really just like deep conversations about people and about connections and about finding purpose in life. Um, I always walk away from things like that feeling reinvigorated. Mine is um, snowboarding. I am a snowboarding addict. It resets my brain um, and it, it definitely just renews me in every, every sense. All right. What turns you off? For me, it is cruelty. Yeah, cruelty is a big turn off. Uh, I, I think passiveness would be mine. Mm -hmm. All right. What is your favorite curse word? I really like shit. <laughs> Shit's a, it's a staple. <laughs> uh, there's so many good ones. Um, you know, I, I, I have some allegiance to the F word, but I think like my general go-to favorite curse word is God damn it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why that has stuck, but it's stuck. All right. What's yours, Reed? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Universally loved. Yeah. Yes, it is. What sound or noise do you love? Hmm. I love the sound of nature, specifically, um, running water. Um, but, but anything that sounds like nature or birds, um, you know, like what you would hear on like a hike, um, that's, those are noises that I just really, really cherish. Yeah. I really love orchestral instruments. I spent a lot of time playing and studying music and, um, and played the upright bass for many years. And so, 
you know, upright bass, violin, cello. Um, I just, I really love a solid stringed instrument. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, construction. Screaming babies. All right. What is your favorite color? We're both blue. All right. What is, blue your, all least the favorite what is your least favorite color? We're both red. <laughs> <laughs> blue and red. All right. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. I think um, as Andy and I look to, to, to the horizon um, and we've got a lot of work to do to, to get there. Um, one thing I think that would be really fun to do later in my career after we really, you know, build ideate to be, you know, the, the juggernaut that we want it to be would be um, running an investment shop focused on um, funding disability led small businesses and startups. Um, I think that there is a, a tremendous amount of potential um in that sector um and uh there isn't a lot of access to capital um and i think that that is um a crying shame so um i think yeah running in an, uh, some sort of investment fund um that would that would help um individuals start their own businesses would be amazing yeah, okay. cool. i um i would love to be a pilot and <laughs> voice <laughs> Been fascinated by flights. I have friends that that have gotten their private pilot's licenses, and um, so I've been up a few times flying outside of just commercial aircraft. And I just think it's really freaking cool. All right. What professions? What professions would you not like to do? Coder. I. You could just take me out back and shoot me before you'd make me a coder. <laughs> Getting into <laughs> that granular stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't think would would really jive with the way I work. I think we have a good division of labor there because as uh as the the as someone who codes um uh it, that is definitely one of those things that um you either i think love or hate um for me i think it would be uh, a lawyer i don't think i would want to be a lawyer all right if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gate nice work down there <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'll go with a cheesy one, um, but it would be kind of fun. Uh, I'd like to hear God say, oh, it's you. I just gave you a request on ID8. That would be pretty fun. Um, but no, I think in all in all seriousness, um, job well done. You all right. When you arrive in heaven, who would you like to meet? Hmm. I'd love to see my grandpa Bud again. Yeah, he's he's the one I mentioned was a big influence in my life, and uh, among many other family members, he's he's someone I would be really excited to see again. All right. Um, I think because it's on my mind, Donald Triplett, and for those that don't know, is the first person to be diagnosed with autism. Um, I think it would be amazing to to meet Donald Triplett. In, That's right. He, he just passed away. Just passed away. He did. Yeah. Case number one. Um, what books do you recommend my audience reading or read? Mm. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this one. Um, in fact, one of the, the books that I just recently read, it's fantastic. Um, and it talks a lot about Donald Truplett, um, is Neurotribes. It's 
The Legacy of Autism and the Future of Neurodiversity by Steve Silberman. Really powerful read, um, not a short read, um, but a really wonderful kind of chronicling of um, all of the amazing advocacy work that has brought us to, to where we are today um, in this space. Yeah, I, uh, on the more on the fiction side for me, it's where I tend to spend time reading. If I do, um, there's a, uh, it's like a thriller novel called I Am Pilgrim by Terry Hayes. Um, it is a fantastic read. Um, and there's another book by Ayn Rand called Atlas Shrugged. Um, also a really long kind of dense read, but uh, is, is a book that I really enjoyed and would love to read again. And finally, where can people find out more about the both of you on ID8? We are online at ideate.org. You can connect with us there. You can fill out a contact us form. You can reach us via phone uh, and on LinkedIn. So um, Andy Mullins and obviously Jeff Howard, um, we are in those places and easily accessible. And that is it, everyone. That was Jeff Howard and Andy Mullins from ID8. And I'll see you in the next one. See you later, guys. Thanks so much, Reed. Thanks, Reed. Not a problem. <laughs> I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Shape shifting, same player, different position. The definition could stick with them. Drifting through these layers of wisdom. I took a break from tradition. I move away from what's expected. Change the music ride the way but keep the message question this dimension is still deception every entrance have good intentions no exceptions and leave the rest up to the heavens your only plan to be the seeker and become yourself because more than half would you believe in was crafted to be misleading for the benefit of someone else i want to believe in the truth but only see what i'm shown got the freedom to choose but can't decide on my own follow what the group is thinking bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that i don't fit in i want to believe in the truth but only see what i'm shown got the freedom to choose but can't decide on my own follow what the group is thinking bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that i don't, I don't fit in hey hey yeah i don't fit in For applause, I don't walk right into traps. While you closing in the walls, I'll be using out the cracks. Sit and relax, don't breathe. These are the facts. Supposedly, stutters, living a mask. Suckers, keep moving along to the beat. Brainwash, rinse and repeat. Keep pulling about with the sheep. I'll go, got and Eve. Know what I mean? Probably not. Honesty shocks, it's fineness. The only box I'll ever fit in is the one that I die. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey.